So I guess we're live, right? Yeah. Well, those of you who are listening on Blog Talk Radio, we are also on a simulcast with David Ross. David, how are you doing this evening? Great. Thanks for having me again, John. This is uh, real exciting. I hope it works. So we kind of like got a Frankenstein's laboratory kind of thing going on here with multiple computers and a mixer and three monitors and everything trying to make this work. Uh, We're talking about a subject that, you know, when I was first appeared on your show, I was very pleased because you introduced to me your opinion that Medjugorje was uh, demonic, not only false, but demonic. Brother, I, c- I couldn't agree more. We're, we're totally, we're, we're like this. <laughs> so, um, wait to start on this. Well, you know, uh, I'm the kind of guy that I don't do deep dives. I don't do deep dives, but you probably have. That's why you're going to run this. Uh, you're going to run this episode. <clears throat> I'm going to add color commentary and just uh, okay. g- generic principled, uh, you know, advice to the listener. But you know, I bought that book, the famous book that you uh, that you showed me by Foley, and I haven't read it yet. It's sort of like just a, a reference book that I've got handy. And uh, I see you have a copy of it, too. So, uh, yes, I I was just looking. Sorry, I wasn't ignoring you. I was looking on my shelf for another book where this journey kind of starts. I got this is a new copy of this book, but it's not the original copy that I had somehow got lost in moving or what have you. But it's a book called A Woman Clothed with the Sun. And. This is the book that kind of started my journey back in the 1980s. And I bought this book and said, hmm, very interesting. A woman clothed with a son, eight great apparitions of Our Lady. So I started reading about it. And, I, and, and the reference, I was not familiar with the reference, but the reference is to Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. A woman clothed with a son with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars upon her head. Now, of course, I'm very familiar with the reference now, but I wasn't then. So I read about Lourdes and Fatima and Guadalupe and, you know, some of these big apparitions. And I started looking online to see, okay, where can I get more information? I came across this Marian site that called themselves the Queen of Peace Center. And when I called them, they said, well, are you familiar with Our Lady's apparitions in Medjugorje? And I said, Medjugorje what? (laughs) No, I I never heard of it. Well, you know, Our Lady has been appearing in Medjugorje in Yugoslavia. Okay. Um, Why don't we send you some information? We'll send you what we got, blah, 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 blah. So they piqued my interest. They sent me a bunch of, you know, pamphlets and articles and goodies and everything, including a bunch of miraculous medals. One of the things that I noticed that was peculiar about the miraculous medals is that some of them were silver and some of them were gold. That point, in all fairness, all honesty, this was the early 1980s, okay? I didn't know that much about the miraculous metal at that point. So I didn't think anything 
of it. I just noticed that some of them were silver and some of them were gold. So the guy calls me about, I guess it was about a week, maybe a week and a half later. As a follow-up, and he said, hey, did you get the materials? He said, yeah, I got it. I've been reading on it and everything. He said, hey, um, just wanted to ask you. He said, we've had people all over the country that have been reporting to us that the miraculous metals that we've been sending them that were blessed in Medjugorje have been turning gold. <clears throat> so, well, interesting, I said, because I did notice that some of the ones that you sent me were gold and some of them were silver, but I didn't think anything of it. He said, John, we don't have any gold ones. All the miraculous metals we have are silver. If you have gold ones, then they turn gold after we sent. So, my first thoughts on Medjugorje was, wow, this, you know, there's something to this. And I basically stayed in that position for a number of years, that position of curiosity that, you know, I've seen metals turn. My mother sent a silver rosary there. It was blessed. It came back gold. So I've seen some of these, some of these signs and everything. But then I started to read some of the messages and some of the things that were coming out of Medjugorje, kind of a mixed bag of, of, of things. And I was kind of halfway skeptical. And so when the apostolate that I belonged to started to really get into presenting Medjugorje, they started off by saying, well, Medjugorje has been approved. The first year has been approved by the church. Like, um, no, <laughs> not not so. Okay, I know that much. It has not been approved. Oh yes, it's been approved. The Rooney well, the Rooney Commission wrote a report that the Vatican has not ruled on. You know, so I'm correcting them, and they're just absolutely above correction. That's when I made a decision that I need to know the truth. And I'm going to follow the truth wherever it leads me. If the facts exonerate Medjugorje, then I'll be the biggest Medjugorje fan that you ever saw. But if the facts do not exonerate Medjugorje, then I, I can't follow it. Well, I started to ask around to people who really were experts on the subject, and they recommended a book to me. And I'm Guessing you can probably guess what the book was. Because yeah. we both have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Foley's book. It's called Medjugorje Complete by Donald Anthony Foley. Who is Foley, by the way? He is a historian. He's wrote many things about uh, Catholicism, about the history of Catholicism. Um, his reputation in the field as a as an unbiased Catholic scholar is without question. Um, and I said, okay, I'm going to order this book. And while I was waiting for the book to come in, I said, okay, let me look online and see what I can find out about Mr. Foley. And I found a couple of interviews that he did. One with Pat, uh, former Catholic Answer Chief Apologist Patrick Coffin, ah. and one with another historian, D 
Dr. E. Michael Jones. <laughs> okay. And I watched those two interviews and I listened to the things they were saying about the history and about some of the, and, and it started to open my eyes. I hadn't really heard some of these things. Well, after you read this book, you understand, you go back and you realize that most of the material is sourced from this book. Uh -huh. and this book is Father Ibro Sivrik, The Hidden Side of Medjugorje. Now, the late Father Sivrik grew up in Medjugorje. He's a hometown boy. And he was there right from the start. And he's Franciscan and this, or what? No. What's the OMF? OFM there on the cover. Um, you you caught me with one I don't know the answer to. Okay, um, I'll have to look that up. But he was not a member of the. Uh, he was not. Let's put it this way: he was not a member of the circle of priests that supported Medjugorje. Maybe he is a member of the larger Franciscan order. I'll have to look that up. I don't know the answer. Okay, but I do know that he grew up in Medjugorje. Ah. Okay. And he immediately started to interview the visionaries. But Father Sivert did something that none of the others did. He cataloged the messages. Ah. He wrote them down. What was actually said, cataloged the messages meticulously. Okay. And by his cataloging the messages, that's when Bishop Zonich started to see blatant contradictions, blatant problems, where they would say one thing one day, something different another day, okay? And then he saw some of the priests that were in the inner circle, like Father Laurentin, Rene Laurentin, actually changing the messages. <laughs> now, David... <laughs> That's your first red flag. If this is the mother of God, you don't want to be going in there changing the messages, right? Not at all. I just looked him up. He is a Franciscan. Uh, he's okay. He's Croatian born, but he's uh... then. Then I stand. Then I stand corrected. But he was not part of the inner circle, right? Of that of corrupt the crew, the corrupt crew uh, that surrounded them. Right. And we're going to get into that in a minute. One of the messages that was changed, I'll give you an example. And the message were changed because what happened was a visionary started going off like loose cannons. Okay. Spouting, well, the, the, the gospel said this and the gospel said that. Well, the Franciscans wanted to kind of control the message. They wanted to get kind of control of this for public consumption so that the people would think, you know, this was, you know, this was real. And some of the messages just stretched incredulity. So for anybody listening, the Catholic Church's position on private revelations, and a Marian apparition is considered a private revelation, it basically falls into three categories. There's those that the Catholic Church has declared worthy of belief. There's those that the Catholic Church has not ruled on or is undecided on. And then there's those that the Catholic Church has declared unworthy of belief. 
and unworthy of belief, they, that, that breaks down into two further categories. Those were the supernatural character cannot be established or the non-supernatural character has been positively established. Both of those last two categories are what's known as a negative judgment. Okay? Our listeners need to understand this. The Catholic Church renders a positive judgment on a private revelation. The Church declares that it is worthy of belief, but neither you or I are compelled to believe in a private revelation. Now, to me, if you were to tell me that you don't believe in Fatima or Lourdes, I'm going to think something's wrong with you, okay? But you can be a Catholic in good standing and believe that Our Lady has never appeared in Lourdes. It is possible. It's possible theoretically. Logically, I don't know how it would be possible, but theoretically it's possible. But when it comes to a condemned event, you no longer have choice in the matter. When it comes to a condemned event, you are not allowed, under penalty of sin, to promote a condemned event as being supernatural. Until such a time as the condemned event is overturned by evil, either someone of equal or higher authority. I just want to say something about the mm-hmm. supernatural word. There's another word that's preternatural. That's like the demonic stuff. What's the right. relationship between supernatural and preternatural? Because preternatural is also supernatural. It's not natural either. Why is that distinction made? Is it only the good versus evil? Is that the distinction? Well, the the church's position is that the devil cannot create actual miracles. But he's pretty good at simulating miracles. He's pretty good at only God is capable of the divine. So the devil can only imitate the divine. So with the devil, it's a it's a it's a it's a hocus pocus magician show, and with God, it's a genuine miracle. Uh, so that's the difference between supernatural and preternatural. For instance, in the condemned apparitions of Medjugorje, uh, I mean, I opened up by telling you I've seen rosaries turn color. I've seen miraculous medals turn color. I have talked to friends who have told me that they witnessed um, uh, something going on with the sun. Whereas Medjugorje is too, it was very strange though, is in terms of the miracles with the sun, because you'll have two people standing right next to each other. One sees the miracle of the sun and the person right next to them doesn't see it. That's bizarre. That didn't happen at Fatima. <laughs> there were 70,000 people and there was no doubt that there was a miracle taking place. Can I ask a question about the medal, the medal of the uh, miraculous medal? It's not right. usually it's not usually silver per se, it's nickel or something like that, right? And then when it right. turns gold, if a metallurgist or a scientist were to examine the the metal uh, of this gold color, would they find paint or would they find actual precious gold? What would they find, do you think? I, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that question because I did actually do that. I went to a, a precious metal expert and he told me it was, in fact, real gold, genuine gold. Oh, so I'm, I'm, is it a plating or is it solid gold, the, the metal? He told me the metal had turned gold. Had it turned? It had turned genuine. It, uh, well, he didn't all the way through or on the surface. Him, I didn't tell him the 
I, I don't remember if he got into that kind of detail. Yeah. Um, well, there was a long Do you have one handy? Was, you could scratch it and see if it's no, no, superficial. No, this, this was 30 years ago. 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, but you don't just throw gold in the garbage, do you? Um, I, I think I ended up giving all of them away, to be honest with you. Okay. Because um, if it were you know, solid I, gold, it would be worth money. If it were solid gold, it would be worth a little bit of money. Yeah, but I'm, and and the reason why I say that this person told me it was genuine gold, because I don't want anyone to think that I'm being anything but objective here. I, I'm not, I, I don't have an agenda here to believe that Medjugorje is 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 false because of, in fact, to be honest with you, it destroyed my relationship with the former apostolate that I belong to. Yeah. So if I wanted to take the path of least resistance, the easiest path for me to take would be to confirm that Medjugorje was real. Unfortunately, the facts did not lead me to that conclusion as they, they didn't with you. So as I got more and more and more and studied more and more and more into Medjugorje, I realized that the divergence between Medjugorje and all of the approved apparitions was stark in a number of areas, in a number of areas. Um, and one of the areas, do you remember, uh, I'm sure you've heard the famous Catholic phrase, the family that prays together stays together. You've heard that phrase, right? Yeah. Do you know who that phrase was coined by? No. It was coined by Father Patrick Payton. Okay. And Father Patrick Payton, like Father Ivro Sivrik, grew up in that area of the country. Oh. And he wanted nothing more than for Medjugorje to be true. So when he got an assignment to be transferred to that area of the country, he was so excited to be a part of it. And Patrick Payton actually disclosed to Dr. E. Michael Jones that the first thing that he noticed, or one of the first things that he noticed about Medjugorje is that when he was hearing confessions, that there was an alarming rise in the number of people who were confessing the occult, sins, sins of the occult. Okay. So let's go into the circle of Medjugorje insiders, the priests. Okay, this is a nice little segue to that. Father Vlasic was the spiritual director to the visionaries. He was their spiritual director. Okay. So you don't get much more inner circle than that, right? Father Vlasic was defrocked, excommunicated, and exiled. By then, Bishop Cardinal Joseph Rat Ratzinger, he was thrown out of the country. And the charges that were brought up against him were violations of the Sixth Commandment, six, uh, sexual sins, and the conjuring up of evil spirits. They called him the, uh, the, the priestly magician or the, something along those lines. He was conjuring up demons. Raising up demons. He was getting into necromancy and stuff like this. Is the priest that's the spiritual director to the visionaries. Uh, Father Vlasic's fellow Franciscans, Fathers Vega and Prusini, led a mob to throw the clergy out of a must church. 
So this is Bishop Zanuck's introduction to the the so-called miracle of Medjugorje. And one of the most vicious rumors that's being circulated around is that Bishop Zanich or Vish, or his successor, Bishop Parrott, one or the other or both, were well, they're against all Marian apparitions. Bishop Zanich traveled to Lourdes. He traveled to Fatima. He traveled to Syracuse. He was a devoutly Marian priest. And when he was interviewed, he said, who wouldn't want the the Madonna to be in their backyard? It's any priest would want this. He said, but as soon as I talked to the visionaries, as soon as he started talking to the visionaries and saw that their stories didn't add up, he knew it was a hoax. That and the behavior of these of these priests. So the gospel, when this happened, the so-called gospel told the visionaries that the bishop was to blame <laughs> and the dissident priest were to ignore the bishop's direction. Now, anybody that knows anything about the approval process of Marian apparitions knows that it's dead on arrival right there. Close the book. As soon as the Madonna or the alleged Madonna is telling people to tell the to to defy the bishop to be disobedient to the bishop. Okay, this ain't Mary that's speaking. She would never do that. She always works through the bishop. In fact, there were some Marian apparitions where initially the bishops or the priest were initially uh, negative, and Mary pulled back and told the visionaries to bow to the discipline of the bishops, bow to the the authority of the priests, that eventually the truth would come out. Bernadette at Lourdes is one example. The, The children of Fatima is another example. Over the next few months, the gospel told the priest that they should stay in the diocese and continue to hear confessions and give communion. David, this is after they were stripped of their faculties. They no longer had any priestly faculties, and the so-called the so-called gospel is telling them to continue to hear confessions and offer communion. That ain't Mary. <laughs> I'm sorry. And anyone who thinks that that's Mary is out of their mind. You agree? Absolutely. What comes to mind is St. Ignatius of Antioch when he wrote to uh, someone and he said, do nothing without the bishop. I mean, this is this is a human saint walking the earth who's telling his flock to do nothing without the bishop. And we're supposed to believe that the mother of God is contradicting this saint and that's saying something that totally contradicts the, the tradition of the church and the unity of the church and the authority and the sovereignty of, of the church and the Christ and his church are one. You can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't undermine the church's authority without flying in the face of God's authority. So that's, that's a red flag. Exactly. So then she goes further. Not only does she tell the, the priests and the visionaries to defy the bishop, but then she's called, says this devoutly Marian priest, like I said, who's been to Lourdes, who's been to Fatima, who's been to Syracuse. She says he has no love of God in his heart. And then she says 
the holiest person in all of Medjugorje was an unbaptized Muslim whose name was Pasha. Now, the unbaptized Muslim named Pasha is the holiest person in the entire area, and the bishop has no love of God in his heart. Okay? Then she said that the two priests in question were faultless, without fault. Mm. Well, that turned out to be a little problematic when Father Vega was defrocked for impregnating a nun. This is the faultless. He he impregnated her faultlessly, though, apparently. Yeah, yeah, it was an immaculate impregnation. (laughs) This is just just crazy stuff here. Oh, oh, but John, the fruits of Medjugorje, the fruits, the fruits, the fruits. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into the fruits argument in a minute. I'm (laughs) glad you brought that up. Okay. Their Franciscan brother and central... Medjugorje figure, Father Joseph Zafko, was also defrocked, listen to this, for insubordination and allegedly molesting Medjugorje pilgrims. You can't make this up. Now, Father, this very priest here is going to come into play here in a, in a, in a moment and hear his name again. He's molesting the pilgrims visiting the site. So these poor people, many of them were very, very poor, destitute, desperate, flocking to Medjugorje in hopes of seeing the, uh, the, the Madonna, only to be molested by this priest. The Franciscans were also involved in the kidnapping of Bishop Perrick. They kidnapped the bishop, and the authorities, the legal authorities of Mostar, had to rescue the priest from his bishop from his abduction. This is the good fruits. Now, I want to bring up the. uh, I'm glad you brought up the good fruits argument because they use that a lot. Well, look at all the conversions. Look at all the masses. Look at all the confessions. Okay. Well, I know someone personally that had a miracle, an alleged miracle where he was unable to impregnate his wife. And then at Medjugorje, he had this tingling sensation down below. And then he had a bunch of children and he, he gives credit to the gospel and to the, uh, to Medjugorje. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't, that doesn't in any way change my opinion about the seers and about the Franciscans and about the, all the demonic nonsense that takes place there, mm-hmm. because I know that miracles takes pl- take place and God, God is not impotent in Medjugorje. Right. And and not only that, but there's been a whole lot of bad things that have happened. The number of bad, broken marriages as a result of Medjugorje is astounding. Oh, really? The re, the number, the rise in the occult, as I already mentioned, yeah. documented by Father Patrick, uh, Patrick Payton, is astounding. The number of spinoff cults and other apparitions that have been approved by the church that have come from Medjugorje, over 400. Over 400. And... Some of the organizations that have been officially condemned by the church, like Caritas of of Birmingham, one of the Medjugorje visionaries is still a member. Uh. One of the alleged visionaries of Medjugorje is a member of an organization that has been officially condemned as heretical by the church. 
The visionaries have also said that Orley said it was fine to read the poem of the man god, which is also condemned by the Catholic Church. Who wrote that? Anonymous, oh, sir. I know it, but I can't pull the name up in my in my memory right now. As soon as you tell me, I'm going to. Uh, was it Valtorta? What's that? Maria Valtorta? Yeah. That says some crazy stuff about Jesus. Yeah, and it's like it's like so many other works. That's one of the other things about Medjugorje is the obscene number of messages, like 50,000 or something like that. That's another sign of a false private revelation. The church actually looks at that as a sign of, of, of false private revelation because Mary is famous for being brief and getting to the point. She appeared to the visionaries of Fatima six times. She appeared to Bernadette, what, 18 times? She, she gets right to the point. She doesn't need 50,000 messages. And when you read the messages of Medjugorje, most of them are this Hallmark Kardish nonsense, you know, Dear children, you know, keep keep showing up, keep doing my will, you know, thank you for responding to my call. Most of the messages are not offensive, but they're not right. particularly edifying either. And there are some there are some offensive messages. Now there have been four four times that the bishops in Medjugorje have officially reviewed what was going on there. The first commission led by Bishop Zanuck uh, determined that there was no supernatural uh, origin and that the Virgin Mother had never appeared in Medjugorje. Two years later, Bishop Zanuck led a third commission that also officially determined, came to the same conclusion one of the biggest lies from the pro-Medjugorje folks is that the Vatican took the investigation from, from Bishop Zanich and Bishop Perrick because they, they didn't like what was going on. They didn't like how they were handling it. 1978, Paul, uh, under the uh, papacy of Pope John Paul II, the Vatican released a document that details exactly how private revelations are studied and exactly what the process is. And it always starts with the local bishop. And the elevation to the Vatican in the issue of Medjugorje was done, two, two things about it that you need to understand. Number one, it was done at the request of the bishop and with the full cooperation of the bishop. And the second is the reason that it was done was not because the the bishop was not competent to handle the question or because the Vatican didn't have trust in what they were doing. It's because the thing was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. First, it started out as something that was just affecting this diocese. Then it ballooned into something that was now uh, affecting the entire nation of Yugoslavia, of course, a nation that no longer exists. And then it became a worldwide event. Well, the Vatican has to get involved at that point, if for no other reason than how to deal with the pastoral needs of four million pilgrims a year going to this going to this country. And yet, 
Bishop Zanich remained in his chair until 1993 when he uh, voluntarily resigned, retired. And Bishop Perrick remained as bishop until 2020 when he did the same thing. So if the Vatican was unhappy with either Bishop Zanich or Bishop Perrick, seems to me they would have removed them and replaced them, right? Yeah. But, but they did not. So as this thing took its was taking its evolution as it was rising, Bishop Zanich retired in 1993. And by that time, the Yugoslav Bishops uh, Council, the, the Council of 20 Bishops over the entire nation of Yugoslavia met and they had their commission. There were 20 bishops and one of them abstained, decided not to vote on the final report for reasons that I don't know the answer to. The other 19 bishops voted and they voted 19 to zero that the Virgin Mother has never appeared in in, in Medjugorje. 19 to zero. That's a pretty compelling vote, right? Yeah. Then when Bishop Perrick succeeded Bishop Zanich, Bishop Perrick, now the Yugoslav Bishop Commission said that the supernatural nature of the apparitions could not be established, that there was no evidence of, of supernatural activity. Bishop Perry took it further. Bishop Perry said the Yugoslav Bishops' Commission did not go far enough, that not only has the supernatural nature of the apparitions not been established, but the non-supernatural nature has been positively established. This is the official word of the bishop of Medjugorje. Bishop Perrick stepped down in 2020 and was um, received, uh, was um, succeeded by Bishop Peter Pollock. And Bishop Peter Pollock has reaffirmed the findings of the previous two bishops and the Yugoslav Bishop uh, Commission. So, now the count, David, is 22 to 0 against the apparitions. At this point, I wonder what more you need. If you're not going to take the word of 22 bishops, at what point would you become convinced? Are there bishops worldwide that are uh, infamous for standing up for Medjugorje and fighting for Medjugorje? It's true. And look at the fruits. Is, is there a bishop today that you can think of who's championing the cause of Medjugorje or No. Well, the lone exception, uh, I'm sorry, I stumbled with that word. The lone exception is the Ruini Commission report. Now, I've written articles in which I've attached the Ruini Commission report. And all my detractors you know, say, well, the Ruini Commission report approves the first year. And it, and it, and it, well, it's just silent on after that because, you know, it says the first year is approved and we're still investigating after that. So I give them the link and say, show me where it says that. Here's the report. Show me where it says what you're alleging. That's the difference between me and my detractors is they tell you what the Ruini report says. And I give you the report and ask you just to read it. <laughs> is it in this book? Uh... It, it is. Okay. 
It is. He talks about what's in 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 and Donald Foley is very critical of the Ruini report, and rightly so. And with all due respect to Cardinal Ruini, and uh, you know, I believe you never attack a priest, you never attack a bishop or a cardinal, and I will not in this case. But the report is the most schizophrenic thing I've ever read in my entire life. Because it says, the Ruini report literally says that, well, right now, the visionaries are dishonest, spiritually immature, and going through the motions, they're acting, they're not seeing anything now, there's nothing going on, they're going through the motions, and they all have an unhealthy attachment to money. But then it turns around and it says, but, you know, we believe they really saw something during the first seven apparitions. And then after that, something changed. Okay. Well, I can tell you two things about the first seven apparitions. One in particular that really makes this report bizarre. And that is that during this first seven apparitions, there was a prophecy that was made by the gospel. Seems to me that's one of the criteria that we use to study these things, right? Did the gospel make a prophecy, and did that prophecy come to true, come to pass? The only prophecy that's recorded as, as made, and all six visionaries, this guy right here, Father Ivro Sivrik, has stated that all six visionaries swore when questioned that this message was true, that this is what the lady said. All six of them agreed that the apparitions would end on July 3rd, 1981. What happened? <laughs> There was only supposed to be three more messages. The last message would be on July 3rd, 1981. And since there's been 50,000 more messages. So the only prophecy that was made during the first seven days in which they are, you know, reviewing this didn't come to pass. Now, in his book, Donald Foley says, you can only speculate about what they saw during those first seven days. And there are people that believe because of some of the very unusual things that occurred during those first seven events that the kids did, in fact, see something. And Donald Foley is adamant that what they saw was a demon. That what they saw was demonic. And... After the first seven apparitions, the kids, out of fear, couldn't suddenly do a double take and tell everybody, okay, you know what? It wasn't really the Blessed Mother. We realize now we've been duped. It's not true. Out of fear, they felt like they had to keep the charade up. This is Donald Foley's theory. He doesn't claim that he knows this as a fact, but this is his theory. But what is stark is the Ruini report states emphatically 
They vote in favor of the first seven apparitions, but then they vote emphatically against everything after that. So anyone that tells you that the Ruini report says Our Lady is appearing in Medjugorje, it in fact says exactly the opposite. It says she is not appearing in Medjugorje. And it says, it actually, this is the most incredible thing that the Ruini report says. It says the visionaries now are addicted to money. They're dishonest, especially it signals out Ivan as being particularly dishonest. It says they're addicted to money and they're all spiritually immature and it's based on the fact that they haven't had a spiritual director for 30-something years. Just the mother of God. You've been speaking to the mother of God. Okay? Uh, that's about as good a spiritual direction as you could ask for, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a question I want to ask, and you can throw it in whenever it's appropriate. But I've heard about the uh, some of the apparitions. You couldn't see the feet of uh, what was allegedly Our Lady, and uh, some people speculated that that was enough proof to say that it was demonic. What What is all, what is that all about? Yeah, Father Shannon Collins, I actually played an audio in one of the shows that I did from Father Shannon Collins. Now, Father Shannon Collins is not a nobody. He speaks for Lighthouse Media. You can find his materials in Catholic churches. He's with Census Fidelium. He speaks officially for the Fatima Center. He's a giant in the Catholic world, okay? And he is adamantly against Medjugorje and has spoken extensively about it. In fact, after the show, I'll be glad to send you you know, some links to He said, and other people have said, that actually goes back to a statement from Padre Pio ah. that the only part of his body that the devil cannot disguise is his feet the cloven hoof and and the reason why that is goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15 and let's I'm going to rile some people up here who might be listening but Genesis 3.15 the proper interpretation says she will crush the head of the serpent not he she and so the devil can't disguise that foot. So he covers it. And in all of the Marian apparitions, all of the proved Marian apparitions, you see those feet. At Guadalupe, you see the foot on the head of the serpent. In the image of the miraculous medal, you see the foot on the head of the serpent. But in every iconography of Medjugorje, the feet are covered. And Father Shannon says, it's not a little thing. It's a big deal. Couldn't they just paint a fake picture and put a foot there instead of a cloven hoof? They could, but uh, I think initially they didn't understand. Uh, uh -huh, I see. So today we might find some images today that have have put a fraudulent image of the foot when there was no foot uh, it, it, It's possible it could eventually happen. I, I think there's not enough people that know about it to really... It, it could eventually get to that point. I think at this point, there's not enough people that know about it to really drive the issue. Uh, because I see the image. Uh, I see one image here. I'm looking on my screen now. Close-up feet of the statue of Our Lady of Medjugorje, and she has feet. 
So there's a statue there that you can see that has feet. So this is probably like a cover up or just uh, just some sort of. Uh, where, where, what is the source of the image? Close up of our feet of statue of Our Lady of Medjugorje, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, I just found this on alami.com stock images. So I don't know. I'll have to dig into it, but I know I've seen it before. So uh, it's something to look into. I mean, it certainly doesn't. It certainly doesn't say anything about what the apparitions, these demonic apparitions, actually uh, look like. Do we call them apparitions, even if it's demonic? Can there be a demonic apparition, or is there another technical word for that? Um, no, I, but, I think the word a- apparition can be used or manifestation, is, a demonic manifestation. Yeah, it, it is. It is a manifestation. Um, but there, there are a number of other things about Medjugorje that are that are very, very troubling. Um, one of the things that caused Medjugorje to really take off, Medjugorje is probably the most brilliant PR campaign uh, in the history of the of, of the Catholic Church. Because Medjugorje uh, first happened in 1981, which was the year of the assassination attempt on the Pope. And it wasn't long after that that we started to have the Internet. And not long after that, we started to have the explosion of social media. Well, in 1991, when the bishops, uh, Yugoslav Bishops Commission handed down their judgment, the popularity of Medjugorje was actually on the decline. And that's when um, certain people got involved with this new media and started to circumvent the church they started to publish books they started to publish articles they started to do conferences and things that didn't have the official sanction of the church and one example is a man named steve shawl who we've called out on our show we called him out he formed the largest medjugorje website in the world called medjugorje.org we had his brother on our show and his brother stated on our show that Steve knows that it's a fraud, that he's made millions of dollars off of it. And that he's basically admitted that there's, you know, he hasn't seen any evidence or anything like that, but Hey, I'm, you know, I can travel all over the world because of this. And, you know, if a couple makes a couple of people feel better then you know, so be it. And we publicly challenged Steve Shaw, to come on our show and and dispute anything that his brother said. So far, we have we we haven't had any response. But if you notice, one of the things that separates Medjugorje from all the other sites is all of the websites are .org or .com. There's none of them that are sanctioned by the church. There's none of them that are answerable to the church. They can pretty much put up whatever they want and. They have over time actually changed, like I said, actually changed some of the messages. I just stumbled upon something. Maybe you can respond to it. Mm-hmm. It's um, deepertruthcatholics.com. They mentioned you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I imagine they're doing some sort of response to you or something like that. Maybe I don't want to get into too much of the gossip, but um, what's the basic story there? The basic story there is that I found a Duper Truth 14 years ago. And 
Oh, um, this is the apostolate that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. You, you, you uncovered it, and and the problem is that we're absolutely killing them in in the rankings, killing them, and it's a major embarrassment because they've been doing this for fourteen years. They've had almost twenty seven hundred shows. Right now, their highest ranked show is twenty fourth in the Christian category. We're ten. We've been operating for three and a half months, David. Wow. Three and a half months out of the last about 110 days. I think it's 110 days. They have had a higher ranked show than us once. So it's like 109 to one where we've had the higher ranked show. Now, that's embarrassing. That's humiliating considering the head start that they have, but I formed this apostolate called Deeper Truth, and it's an ironic name because the reason that I left is because they couldn't stop lying. <laughs> and and they basically took this thing over. What happened was I had to take a hiatus from Deeper Truth for a while because I was going through a lot of family trouble. And when I took a hiatus from Deeper Truth, they started bringing in crazy people. They brought in this guy named Jake Davies, who actually had them convinced that then-candidate Donald Trump was listening to their shows and reading their articles and taking information from their articles and inserting it into his speeches. (laughs) He had them convinced that he, this this nobody had them convinced that he had the ear of Donald Trump. And, oh, well, you know, President Trump, after he became president, actually called into your show, but I guess you guys didn't see his number come up, and he got tired of waiting on hold. And Oh, can you hold the line one minute, John? I, I got an yeah. important call coming in from Mr. Trump here. Just hold the line. Yeah. Yes, Mr. Trump. Yes, yes, I'll tell, I'll tell John what you said. Thank you so much, sir. God bless uh-huh. you. Thank you for your service, sir. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah, just a little hello to you. He wanted to say hi to you. So he was an actual fan of Deeper Truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then they had a nice, uh, then they, they brought in this other lady. And I, look, I don't believe in, in speaking ill of the dead. She she died in September of, I think it was 2021. Super nice lady. Very nice lady. Very devout you know, Christian, I'm not speaking anything against her. But she claimed that she received poetry as a direct revelation from God, that God was directly dictating, not inspiration. God was dictating these poems to her. Now, Can I say absolutely for certain that it didn't happen? Yes, you can. (laughs) How would I I prove that? Okay. It's a safer assumption. It's the safer assumption. Let's put it that way. Well, the, the problem is this. They were actually saying on the show and in their books that they were writing, some of these people were writing articles, and they were purporting this as fact. In other words, they were actually, one of their people was actually putting out books that were saying that this was proof of Catholicism. 
Well, I, I was trying to tell Donald, you're making us a laughing stock, okay, by saying stuff like that. Because, you know, somebody can point at us and say, well, can er- every woman that says she hears poetry inside of her head uh, believes that it's, you know, proof of the Catholic Church. See, so you can't do that. Now, here's what you can say. This woman claims that this is occurring. This is her experience. This is her testimony. So far, no, you know, there, you know, no church member or priest or what have you has made any, taken any official position on this. That would have been the appropriate thing to say. They were reporting this as fact. Okay. Then they brought in this, this guy who fancied himself an expert on Marian apparitions. It didn't take me long to see that the guy knew nothing about Marian apparitions. Absolutely nothing. He didn't know the first thing about how, and, and basically he has stated on the show that there are almost 2,700 documented appearances of Mary around the world. I have repeatedly told him, I said, look, I will write you a check for $2,000 if you can find any Catholic source, any Catholic source that will support that statement. Catholic Answers, New Advent, you know, Ave, Ave uh, Maria Press, pick your Catholic source, EWTN, Catholic News Agency, I don't care who you use. Find me any Catholic source that will show me that there are 2,700, almost 2,700 documented appearances, not alleged appearances, not documented claims, 2,700 documented appearances is what this person is saying. Approved by the Vatican? This is what he's saying. 2,700 documented. In other words, she has, he has actually used the word. She has appeared on earth almost 2,700 times, stating it as, as an established fact. And I went to Donald, who would, at that time was running this, you know, running the, 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 the blog. The, I said, Donald, you got to rein this guy in. <laughs> I, I, he's, and, and we had other members that are now associated with me that used to be members of Deeper Truth. William Hemsworth is one. Michael Sibenko is another. Terry Delp is another. Multiple. And William Hemsworth, when I talked to him about this, he said, why would that guy say something that you can disprove in a 30-second in Google search? <laughs> so for anybody that's wondering about it, there are 25 officially approved apparitions of the Virgin Mary in the Catholic Church. 25. There are 16 that have been approved at the bishop's level. There are nine that have been approved at the Vatican level. Now, the worst part about this, as I started digging deeper and deeper and deeper, this guy was openly promoting Marian apparitions that have been officially condemned at negative judgments, even Apparitions such as Our Lady of All Nations, Our Lady of All Nations has been condemned by five different bishops 
and it's been condemned like three times by the Vatican, and they're still promoting it. Can I ask a technical question? What's mm -hmm. the most damning condemnation or judgment that the Vatican has ever explicitly put on any alleged apparition? Have they said it's demonic, this is from Satan, and uh, have they gone that far, or do they just say it's not from God and that's it? Um, you know, I would have to look that up in terms of the actual wording, but I would say in terms of, in terms of most damning condemnation from the Vatican, in terms of how emphatically it would be hard to top our lady of all nations. Yeah. When the, when the Vatican said, stop promoting this propaganda, do not refer to our lady under the title of our lady of all nations. They were emphatic about it. Five months after the Vatican made that proclamation, the show that you refer to, and I hope he's listening, Donald Hartley, they ran three episodes in a row promoting Our Lady under the title of Our Lady of All Nations. Now, I gave them an out. I gave them an out when I brought this out publicly. I said, okay, you know what, Donald? I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to assume you didn't see the Vatican's proclamation. I'm going to assume you just missed it. Okay? Now you've seen it. Okay? So the easiest way to fix this is say, hey, we made a mistake. Here's our retraction. All right? Now, if that happens, David, the respect of everyone for deeper truth goes up. Everyone says, okay. Who hasn't made a mistake? I certainly have made more than my share of them. We made a mistake. We got this one wrong. And here's here's our correction. They didn't do that. Instead, they doubled down on it. I, well, now it's yeah. formal heresy. Oh, yeah. I have, uh, I'm going to have to wrap things up soon, but I have an important question I want to ask you. Oh. One of my friends supports Medjugorje. He believes in it. He keeps sending me emails and stuff like that. We have a friendly little back and forth about it. Okay. He likes to get under my skin, I think, when he sends me this stuff. He just does it for mm -hmm. fun. But uh, he knows how, you know, how I feel, and I make it clear on my podcast. But he okay. said, I think, I think I'm, maybe I'm wrong, maybe it was someone else, but in any case, someone told me, they cannot come up with a formal judgment until the apparitions stop, and they haven't stopped, and therefore there can't really be a judgment. That seems to contradict what you said about the first seven uh, apparitions or the first uh, yeah. year or whatever it was. Can you explain that to yeah. me? Yeah, so what they're doing, this is double talk, okay? It's double talk, because on the one hand, they say they can't come up with a confirmation so they're over, but then on the other hand, they point to the Rooney Report and say the Rooney Report approved the first seven. Which is it? Which, which story are you going with here? Okay. So the other thing is um, what they're saying is absolutely false. Okay. There are a number of apparitions that were condemned while they were uh, occurring. Okay. Bayside is just one okay. example. Garabandal is another example. Okay. There are a number of them that have been condemned, and there's been some that have been approved while they were still going on. The reason that your friend brings up this argument, it's a real clever, real clever out for them. Because if the Vatican can't judge the apparition until it's over, well, then the visionaries are just going to make sure that it's never over. Are there any young people taking the mantle that are going to keep this charade going or the charade or whatever um, you say? 
you know, I. In terms of visionary, in terms of having visions. Okay. Or is it just the ask six? Your, ask your friend this. Ask your friend this. Ask him what we have learned in the last 30 years of Medjugorje that's new. Uh. <laughs> Ask him what we've learned in the last 30 years. Now, this has been going on for more than 40 years. Let's just go with the last 30 years. Anything new out of the last 30 years. I learned something new from Medjugorje. I learned that the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, almost dropped the God-man. That's what I learned. <laughs> I learned that the Blessed Virgin Mary is not the mediatrix of all graces. I've learned a couple of things. <laughs> They're not good. <laughs> They're not good. <laughs> and, and that she was about to destroy the world over a bloody handkerchief. Ah. Uh, Did you know about that You one? mentioned that last time we spoke. So, they went to this, apparently the apparition was going to be in a different location, and they went for a ride, and when they went for a ride, they encountered a woman all dressed in black. Okay? And the woman had a bloody handkerchief that she was about to drop into the river, and somehow, I guess instinctively, one of the visionaries walked up and asked her if she would hand them the handkerchief. And she did, at which point the lady revealed herself as the Virgin Mary and claimed that had I dropped this handkerchief into the river, it would have been the end of the world. Oh. So she was going to annihilate the human population oh. over a handkerchief. Uh, and, and as you pointed out, Vichka was clearly caught faking an apparition. She clearly jumped when the person did the, uh, the three stooges, yeah, did the three stooges deal. She jumped, she recoiled, um, and then she said, "Oh well, Mary was about to drop the baby." I saw piece. that footage. Yeah, I saw that footage. Who who documented that footage and uh, put that together as an argument against Medjugorje? Do you remember? Um, his name was uh, Louis. Um, Oh, he wasn't yeah, the co-author. He wasn't the co-author of that uh, book you showed me, is he? No, no. He was just and, and, and you know, what's amazing about it is it was totally by accident that he recorded it because he was just recording when it happened. He didn't even notice it. Oh, I think you're frozen. OK, on, OK, you didn't even notice it. What he noticed was that after the alleged apparition after the alleged apparition had taken place, he saw that there was a ruck, ruckus inside the room. He was like, what, what, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden, Vichka hurriedly rushes back in the room and comes up with this story about, well, Mary was about to drop the baby Jesus, or I thought Mary was about to drop the baby Jesus. Only then did he go back and look at the film. Uh, he didn't even notice it when it happened. Uh, and he went back and he looked at the film. And, I mean... You look at the at, at the freeze frame, and it's 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 very very clear, you know that it it's very very clear that it's a fraud. Now, the one thing that Patrick Coffin brought out that I thought was really stark, and that is one of the telltale signs of how false Medjugorje is and how evil and sinister it is. Look at the reaction of the Medjugorje adherents 
Look at the way they react. Look at the virulent, emotional, deeply emotional, cult-like response. Okay? You go to Donald Hartley, and I'm glad since he, you know, he, he messaged you, you. Did he message you or you just happened to find him online? No, I just I just was searching for your oh. name, your name plus Medjugorje, okay. and that's the first thing that came so up. You look at you look at this guy, and you look at people like him, okay, and you tell him, well, I, you know what? I don't believe the Virgin Mary appeared at Fatima. He'll disagree with you. Huh. He'll disagree with you, but he won't become animated. Huh. But you tell him you disagree that the Virgin Mary appeared at Fatima. Those are fighting words with him. Ah. Would you so, would you put me in touch with him so I can have him on my podcast and I can talk to him? Because <laughs> you know, I I I I like to hear both sides of every story. I'd like to hear his side of the story. Well, maybe you're the bad guy. Maybe you're the bad guy, right? That that that's fine. But the interesting thing is that last night I had um, another member of Deeper Truth on my podcast, oh. Dr. Gregory Thompson. Okay, who I've been friends with for for uh, thirteen years. Um. We have a very, very cordial relationship. Okay. He's a very, very wonderful person. And I had him on to talk about an unrelated I subject. We were, we were basically talking about relics. And ah. he was explaining what the different classification of first class, second class, and third class nice. relics are. During the course of the of the interview, we started to talk about how do you separate the legitimate miracles from the fake miracles. And in order to make that case, the subject of Medjugorje came up. And Donald Hartley likes to forward Dr. Gregory Thompson as being on his side, but he's not. Dr. Gregory Thompson does not believe in Medjugorje. And Dr. Gregory Thompson has publicly stated that he does not trust this this Marian guy, this guy, John Carpenter. Now, I'm not interested in interfering with the friendship between John, uh, between Gregory Thompson and John Carpenter. But the only reason that Gregory Thompson is still associated with Donald Hartley is because he feels sorry for him, because the man has had two strokes. He's definitely facing some 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 challenges and and. And then I asked all my friends, including you, to pray for him. And, you know, he's definitely going through, you know, through some through some terrible stuff. But I've been through some bad stuff, too. So, you know, uh, but the issue is Donald Hartley's been to Medjugorje twice. And he's emotionally invested in it. And he can't see anything. And, and his defense of John Carpenter is because John Carpenter agrees with him on Medjugorje. So he's not even willing to look at, okay, forget Medjugorje. Let's talk about Garabandal. Let's talk about Amsterdam. Let's talk about Neju, South Korea. Let's talk about Nacida, Wisconsin. All of these are condemned by the church, and John Carpenter is promoting all of them under the banner of a program called Deeper Truth. <laughs> Can you see the irony there? So I have invited him to debate me. Multiple, multiple times. I would be more than happy to have you as a moderator in yeah. a debate between me and him. Yeah. He won't do it. Oh, You can invite him. Inv in in invite him. His website is deepertruthcatholics.com. 
Okay. His contact information is on there, probably. Um, or you can send it to me. You can email it to me. You have it. I'm sure I don't, you have it. I, you know, I don't know if it's appropriate to give okay. you his email address. Okay. No, because here's something that he's done. For reasons that make sense only to him, he has attached his email and his message board to his wife. So that all of the angry messages that I sent in, full disclosure, there was a couple of times where I lost my cool. Full disclosure, I, I'm guilty as charged. Had to go to confession. I'm a sinner. Okay. <laughs> all right. So there's been a couple of times when I had some very, very colorful, very, very choice things to say to him. Things that I'm not proud of. Okay. Is that fair enough? He's attached his email and his message board so that anything that you send to him goes to his wife. Well, he's told everyone but Santa Claus that I've sent all these angry, nasty messages to his wife. No, you sent them to your wife. I sent them to you, okay? And I was wrong in even sending them to you, and I've confessed that sin, okay? But don't accuse me of more than I'm actually guilty of. So if you send anything to him, it's going then to he's going to say, well, this this partner of John Benko or this friend of John Benko is now harassing my wife. That's the way that it will come across. But you listen, he's I'm sure he's listening to this. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he is listening to this because uh, he did have the link. So. Um, well, right now we're actually into the archive, but I know he'll listen to the archive. So, David, the floor is yours. Make your case to, to Mr. Hartley right now. I'm sure he's listening. Tell him how he could contact you yeah. and make your pitch to him. Yeah, cvs.podcast at gmail.com. You can just email me or you can go to my Calendly, uh, which is Calendly forward slash CVS podcast. But um, yeah, I just my, my interviews are very friendly and anyone listening, actually, well, you're in the archives now, but anyone listening that wants to come and chat about anything, including Medjugorje, I'm very friendly and open minded. and I'll just listen and you can say your piece and I'll have some questions, but that's just the way I roll. So, uh, yeah, I'll be sending an email to your friend, John, and uh, thank you. I want to thank you for taking the time. I do have to run now, uh, but I want to thank you that, for taking the time. And we will do it again because the hour flew by and we, we barely scratched the surface. He told me a lot of good nuggets and things that I'm looking forward to uh, reading in more depth in uh, the book that I showed yeah. you that you have. Uh, but I appreciate your uh, your wit and your depth of knowledge and your interest and your love of the church and your defense of the honor of the Mother of God because we can't just go around saying that this peanut butter sandwich has the Blessed Virgin Mary on it and this poem that I wrote is from the Blessed Virgin Mary and whatever. We can't uh, attribute willy-nilly uh, Marian apparitions to everything uh, the, according to our fancy. We have to respect the the hierarchy in the church, the authority of the church, the sovereignty of Christ and his church. So I, I thank you for that. You know what? I draw a parallel of what he's doing. I draw a parallel to that in Sola Scriptura. When I, when I hear people make the argument, well, you Catholics don't believe in the Bible. You Catholics don't, don't believe the Bible is the word of God. Au contraire. What we do is uphold the sacredness of Scripture. We defend the sacredness of Scripture as properly written, properly translated, properly interpreted. What we don't do is turn the Bible into our own little private plaything that says, 
Well, John 13, 23 means this to me. I don't care what it means to you. What does it mean to the church? What did it mean to the apostles? What did it mean to the church fathers? Okay, so I don't care about what Donald Hartley's feelings are about Medjugorje. Couldn't care less. What I care about is what do the bishops have to say about it? And the bishops are emphatic that Our Lady has never appeared there. So, again, like sacred, uh, like Sola Scriptura, we're upholding the sacredness of Mary. Okay, because the church has said, go to Fatima. She has definitely appeared there. Go to Lourdes. She has definitely appeared there. Mount Carmel, Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal, Pont Main, La Salette, um, uh, Guadalupe. Okay, these are places that, and, and the one thing about Mary that when she appears, this is the thing that kills me. You can ask your, your friend who emailed you, just ask him this. In 40 years of appearing at Medjugorje, not one miracle that has been authenticated by the church. Not one prophecy fulfilled that has been authenticated by the church. Not one miraculous cure that has been authenticated by the church. There has been literally nothing miraculous that came out of Medjugorje that's been authenticated by the church in 40 years. At Lord's, we got the miraculous spring. We have the miracle of the miraculous cure of John Trainer, Guadalupe. Okay, we have the Tilma. Do you need to say anything more than that? Fatima, 70,000 witnesses saw the sun dance in the sky. So our Blessed Mother has a way of leaving no doubt when she comes. She has a way of removing all doubt that, okay, she's really appeared here. And Medjugorje, you just don't have that. Excellent talking with you. I, I hate to let you go, but I'm going to have to let you go here. Um I just ask you once again, as as I always do, to uh, remember me in your prayers. Your prayers oh, are powerful, absolutely. and uh, you and yours are in mine, okay? Absolutely. David, God bless you. I, I really enjoyed talking with you. I, I enjoy our talk so much. I hope there's going to be many, many more of them. Of course. And first thing that I'm going to do is go back and see if the uh, simulcast actually worked. Ah. And I will tell you. <laughs> if no not, if, yeah, if not, let me know, and I'll send you the audio for my thing, and you can put it up. All right. God bless you, man. God bless you, my brother. We'll talk very, very soon, okay? All right. Have a good night. Take good care. Bye-bye.